And I'm Roshane. And as always, thank you so much for hanging out with us today as we head to a quiet place. Very quiet. A, Keep it down, everyone. A super quiet place. It's like the most quiet place ever. Hey, Roshane. Yeah. What's What's the number one song in a quiet place? I believe it's the Whisper Song by the Yin Yang Twins. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> It is, it is. (laughs) Nailed it. It's risky. It's risky to listen to, but if you put it on by a waterfall, you're good to go. (laughs) You can absolutely vibe out. (laughs) 100% worth it. 100% at the top of the charts. Consistently. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, homies, we're talking about A Quiet Place today, which coincidentally... We did not pre-plan this, but maybe our big brain secretly pre-planned this. Uh, We just talked about the movie Haunt last week, and we mentioned in that episode that uh, the people that worked on Haunt are the same writers who worked on A Quiet Place. So uh, it kind of worked out perfectly. Yeah, we like totally didn't plan that at all or anything. Like our brains aren't that galaxy sized. Uh, But like it's just this weird coincidence that kind of like happened, you know? Jimmy Neutron who? Uh, (laughs) Brain Blast. Brain Blast, am I right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I'm very excited to talk about this movie with you today. Um, when is the first time that you, did you see this movie in theaters or no? I did. I did. I think I caught this movie the first month that it was out originally. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I got a chance to see it in theaters, which was great. I was about to say, will you tell me about that experience a little bit? Because I imagine due to the sound design and the nature of this movie, I'm kind of interested in like what that experience that how it felt to be sitting there like did you feel like you needed to be quiet oh yeah 100 percent. it's like i and i can't speak for every single showing but at least the showing i went to was dead quiet mm-hmm. like nobody nobody made a peep the entire time like even if you had snacks if you had popcorn candy whatever it was nobody touched anything because if you did the entire theater would all turn around and look at you oh <laughs> like you would get publicly shunned if you made a sound during this film. It was pretty wild to be a part of. Big oof. Could you imagine? I hope you didn't, but paying like the price for a popcorn. Only and then not being yeah, able to eat only it. Only to go in there and like only be able to eat it during the trailers. Right. It was, <laughs> it's pretty cr- It's pretty crazy. I'm happy that it happened though because like I love when, you know, movie theaters can um collectively have the same energy like that Mm -hmm. where everybody's of the same mind where it's like yo don't make a sound like shut shut up we we got (laughs) monsters around can't be me can't be doing them loud chomp chomp chomps right now with them chomp chomp chompers out there hunting oh bars well (laughs) and i feel like it would almost kind of be scared like i if sitting there and experiencing so much silence while watching this movie because true to the name a lot of this movie is quiet. Mm-hmm. 
And so when there is a loud noise, it is jarring. So I would almost feel the same way if I was sitting in an audience and all of a sudden I hear someone absolutely devour like a raisinette or something. I think it would <laughs> I would be taken aback. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you pick raisinette. That's I my <laughs> mean, look, raisinettes used to be my snack of choice and then I moved to Twizzlers. Oof. Yes, Twizzlers. Oh, I'm okay. actually I couldn't tell if that was a good oof or like a oof. Oh no, like it's like a umami, like oof, mm. Twizzlers. I it's there, I have this weird thing actually that a couple people who've gone to movies with me know about this. Um, but I do not like red vines. Mm-hmm. Like I don't no. like the taste of red vines. However, I can't go to the movies without buying red vines. Like it's my it's it's weird. Like I don't necessarily like that candy, but over the years it became my movie going candy. So I feel just naked if I walk into a movie theater without a pack of red vines with me. It's really strange because like nine out of ten times, I'm team Twizzlers over team red vines, like always and forever. Yeah. But at the movie theaters, I don't know, there's something about red vines that hit different. I don't know. Um, okay, what? So <laughs> I disagree. Uh, unfortunately, I will have to disagree with you there. I don't know. I red vines are one of those things where like I'll eat I'll eat them in a pinch. Like if if mm-hmm. Twizzlers are not present on site, then yeah, I'll take a red vine. But I ain't never been to a movie theater where they did not have Twizzlers. Twizzlers available. Yes, Twizzlers available. And if they didn't, I said, I guess I'll just have to do another. I'll have to go for another tasty treat today. See, uh, like I haven't really tried to quantify. It's just one of those things that has happened and I've accepted it. Right. But if I had to, I I feel like it has something to do with like the red vines having more of like a licorice taste to it, which for me kind of reminds me of like you know like fairs and and just like going out i th- I think i i equate licorice with like going out to an event or something like that whereas twizzlers i just think are a tasty candy that i'll just eat whenever hmm. so i don't know if it's just like i get more formal when i go to the movie theater so i have to get bougie and get some red vines but you know it is what it is it's how it's how i'm built you know i'm just built different I- oh okay <laughs> He's not like other boys, guys. Uh, <laughs> interesting. I'm gonna put that. I'm gonna remember that. Okay. Uh, it's weird. You, put that in next my time. Next time, whenever COVID's done and we see a movie, just take note of how quickly I reach for those red vines. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> moving on. Moving on to something delicious. The benefit, <laughs> though, is you ain't gotta share none of your Twizzlers. Like That's I'll be true. set. I won't be You're reaching right. over trying to grab a Twizzler. Like I'll have my own. You're right. And you don't have to share any of your red vines because I will surely not. I won't even look at them. <laughs> look in their direction. They don't exist to me. <laughs> but moving on to something that is actually tasty. Mm-hmm. Shall we get into this movie? And <laughs> shall we sink our teeth into this movie? Sounds good to me. So with that being said, Homies, we are entering into spoiler territory, so you have been warned. But today, we are talking about A Quiet Place from 2018, which was directed by John Krasinski, and he also helped write it alongside Brian Woods and Scott 
Beck, who you may remember from our Haunt episode, and it is starring John Krasinski as Lee, Emily Blunt as Evelyn, Millicent Simmons as Regan, and Noah Juppe as Marcus. The world lay silent after a mysterious pack of alien-like creatures begin hunting down anything that makes a sound. Lee, Evelyn, and their children have been living under these conditions for over a year now. The Abbott family has forged a modest life amongst the hellscape. However, with a baby on the way, they know that their lives are about to get much more difficult. Insert toy rocket ships, apocalypse beards, and waterfall plot armor here. Our film concludes with the Abbott family facing off against the monsters in a cellar shotgun showdown. Roll credits. The world lay silent was a beautiful introduction. That sounded like the beginning <laughs> of like an H.G. Wells story. <laughs> and I wanted to give you your props. I have to give you your props for that. Thank you, thank you. I like to take all my inspiration from literature that I will never read, you know? <laughs> as one does. As, as do. one does. <laughs> Alrighty, so... Shall we get into our just some general thoughts about this movie? It, so what is this for you? Is this like your second watch then? Or Yes. Uh yeah, this was my second time watching it. So I watched it one now I've watched it once in theaters and I've wa- watched it once at home. Okay. And even though the I think this movie was definitely a theater going experience 100% um, it still hit pretty well for me at home. I still enjoyed it a lot. I think it uh, definitely kept the same tension that it had when I saw it in theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, I would definitely recommend Homies if you are watching this at home, which is kind of like your only choice at this point. Uh, grab a good pair of headphones for this one mm-hmm. and like really allow yourself to get immersed in the sound design because that's the big pull of this movie is the sound design and then the lack thereof of actual sound is pretty jarring when you first get into it. But like, as you progressively get through the movie, you kind of get used to that world and it really helps you become immersed in the situation that our characters are dealing with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I agree with that. I almost wish I had watched it with headphones. Um, Mm -hmm. But I I loved yeah the sound design in this movie is fantastic I like how we because we really get kind of like three or four different sound perspectives we experience the quietness of the world and then we also sometimes get the point of view of the monsters and what they're hearing and then we also get Reagan's point of view sometimes and what she's able to hear with her implant so mm-hmm. i loved bouncing back and forth between those different perspectives and i similar to what i was saying earlier i feel like it was really effective in that it made you so you as the viewer so aware of how loud different noises were and so anytime you heard a noise 
you were just as on edge as the characters were because you're like was that noise too loud is that okay and then also (laughs) in parts where you finally hear noise like when we are able to hear them talk it's weird it's weird to hear them talk yeah it stands out so much um because you're just so used to it being so quiet the whole time that it's like even though the characters let you know verbally like it's safe to speak here you still i feel like are on the edge of your seat thinking oh no uh this is gonna be the one time where they hear this thing because these these creatures in this film are terrifying because they hear everything mm-hmm. li- everything mm-hmm. like you sneeze Bye. they gonna hear it you drop a pin Bye. they gonna hear it I'm wondering, do these characters never fart anymore? Because I God knows that these monsters would, would hear yeah, that shit. Uh, 110%. They would. You have to hope. They have to. I mean, and also when they poop. Look, I'm sorry, homies. I don't mean to talk about this, but you can't. <laughs> there, you don't. You don't always know what's going to happen. I mean, you don't know how loud it's going to be. I think we've all experienced a time of trying, of hoping it's going to be quiet because you maybe you're like in a public restroom or something. And it doesn't always work that way. I do, I have to wonder how that, how we don't see these things. We don't see. Uh, But I mean, I guess that they, if they felt a really like big one coming on, they probably have things in place to make a louder noise elsewhere (laughs) imagine having to mask your farts with (laughs) rockets in the distance (laughs) they just have an endless supply of fireworks the sun's like oh my god (laughs) oh my god my stomach is so upset and they just have to set it off run run get to the rockets (laughs) the rockets (laughs) god that would be unfortunate yeah i don't know oh that would suck you have to wonder i i really did enjoy seeing the different things that they had put in place to kind of counteract the sound mm-hmm. and they were they were oh, they were ahead. smart yeah oh they yeah were, it was a, a very smart family they they knew how to navigate together and they had some really strong survival instinct mm-hmm. they definitely did and i i i i liked that we saw them like because obviously when we we first start the movie it's it's day 89 and even from then to when we flash forward to day 482 you can see how clever they've gotten and how they figured out different things that they can do like putting the sand on the bridge to use as a walkway and things like they you know they can't use plates so they eat their food off of like a napkin at first i thought it was Wasn't a leaf it was, and i yeah, said I thought, it was a, I thought it was a leaf too was it not a leaf it was i don't know where'd they get those perfect palm fronds from this isn't the blue that's lagoon. what i was gonna say it looked like some <laughs> some tropical caribbean it style did. leaves maybe it was <laughs> i because i had the exact same thought as you but then in my head i said no it's probably a green napkin um because it just seems so extra, like surely you would more easily have napkins around than perfect, perfect leaves that are the exact size of a plate. 
He's like, when the rest of the world's gone to shit, you got to live it up where you can, Erica. But are you going to be that, that means, bougie? <laughs> if that means bougie leaf plates, that means bougie leaf plates. Oh. All right, you got to treat yourself at some point during the apocalypse. I guess, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, they, they ate off of the nice <laughs> leaves. Um, but yeah, just little things like that. But then it's also kind of left up to you to debate things like that because you you almost kind of put yourself in their position and say what would I do if I had to be quiet what would I have to change about my life to be able to exist in this world in some capacity it's obviously not going to be comfortable and I think Mm -hmm. we as people don't realize how much noise we make and I feel like maybe for us since Starting a podcast, I have noticed how much sound every move I make creates and how easily it gets picked up on a microphone. And even just having to be aware of that for the, what, hour and a half that we record is kind of a (laughs) hassle. (laughs) And I'm just sitting in a chair. Um, Yeah, I couldn't imagine being aware of that every single moment of my life and also knowing that oops if I scoot a little bit too close to this wall and hit it with my butt and knock something over I'm by R.I.P. me like I'm about to drop kick through your window come snatch you up with a quickness me up by my scalp so fast (laughs) I'm probably not even gonna know that it happened (laughs) um Oh, before we get like too deep into it, because I do want to go over like a couple of these plot points that happen throughout this movie. Um, A couple of small facts that I did find interesting is I don't know if I just forgot or I never really knew that um, Emily and John are actually married in real life. Did not know that. I can't forget. Before looking into this. I think about it at least once a day. <laughs> Which um goals, I think, a hundred percent. Yeah. Cause uh, that is a beautiful couple. Yeah. Um and the other fact is that uh Millicent is actually hearing impaired. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know if she's fully deaf, but she uh definitely assisted with teaching a good portion of the cast sign, um, because she's very proficient in it so she's the one that really assisted um especially um the actor who plays marcus he in an interview talked about how much uh millicent really helped him learn sign language so i did think that was cool that they went out of their way to find somebody who was actually hearing impaired to play that role mm-hmm. um i think it's a good example of actual representation that other films can definitely take a page from mm-hmm no, yeah, I I agree. And I think it was smart because it just makes it more realistic, you know, like and and I think that because of that, you can really tell in the dynamic of this family that especially in the beginning, I think when we first meet them as a whole and we meet the youngest son, Cade, I think is his name. No, Bo. Bo is his name. I think Kate is the actor who plays him. Um, I think so, yeah. So, and and how he is kind of getting familiar with sign language. And it's very obvious that she is proficient. And the 
the uh, the parents are a little bit more proficient, and then the younger kids are maybe still kind of getting a handle on it. Um, yeah. I don't know. It just reads really real to me. I feel like the dynamic is very true, and mm-hmm. I know. It's always. Oh, go ahead. Go no, go for it. No, go I was for just it. gonna say. I know for you know every family. Obviously, there is a you know specific way of signing things um in asl but i know for every family the way that they do it is differently like some you know it's sometimes it's more casual for people sometimes it's a little bit more like stiff and rigid depending on the proficiency the profici- proficiency that you have and mm-hmm. i feel like that probably worked out for them because they probably just were able to latch on to the way that millie signs Mm-hmm. And embed that into their family. Yeah, I think so. And I was just going to say that I always find it super impressive when you hear about these things and learn that the cast that had to do these roles had, along with all their other responsibilities in regards to this movie, had to, on the side, also learn a whole different language. I always find that super impressive. And whenever actors and actresses are able to do that by the time the movie is ready to be shot... I think it's just it's a very um, commendable thing that a lot of people in the industry do do, and it's just, it's very impressive. Like I'm always I always kind of put myself in that position and be like, damn, what if you got a role and they were like, all right, now learn sign language in a month, mm-hmm. otherwise you can't do this role. I'd be like, oh my yeah. god. I would love. I wish that I knew American Sign Language. I would love to learn it. I wish that they offered it in school when I was in school. Because I probably mm-hmm. would have done that instead of Spanish. Um, because Yeah, it's so it's one of those I, I do also wish that I knew sign language. And, you know, it's never too late to learn these things, no. of course. It's just easier when you're it, – it sticks easier when you're younger. According yeah. to the brain, uh, <laughs> according to research done on the brain, uh, it sticks better when you learn it at a younger age. But obviously, yeah, dude. you can still learn it when you're an, an adult. It's not like <laughs> as, as soon as you turn 21, your brain's just like, ah, uh-uh, we've retained all the information we need. <laughs> right. It's like no more info. Thank you. We're closed. Yeah, thank you. We are closed indefinitely. Um, get back to me. But so, OK, so, yeah, I I actually watched an interview earlier and I would like to shout out this interview the channel that i watched this on it was on youtube and it was called jake's takes and Mm -hmm. jake the aforementioned jake was the interviewer and he was asking some banger questions like maybe one of the best interviews i've seen question mark he was at like the questions that he was asking were amazing um but he did an interview with john krasinski emily blunt and then he also did it with um millie and Noah, who are like the two Mm -hmm. older kids. So one of the things that they were talking about in that is that for this movie, they really were, or at least for John Krasinski, he was really coming from a place where this movie is a family drama first, and then it's a horror movie. And he really wanted to play into the idea that Above everything else, despite the way of the world in this universe, the the big issue in this movie is really it's about 
two parents who are struggling to keep their kids safe and the effect that that is having on their family. And so he really wanted to lean into that side of it and then have all the horror elements kind of be a secondary aspect. And I think that that, particularly for him, he says in the interview that I guess when he first was aware of this script, uh, they had just had their second daughter. And so family was kind of a big thing on his mind. I feel like they accomplished that really, really oh, yeah. well. I, I think Definitely if agree. you, because if you took out the whole aspect of these sound monsters, this is a family drama, like at the heart of it. It, mm-hmm. it, the main focus is this family. We, from the very beginning, we're not introduced to the world. We're introduced to this family. We don't learn any backstory about the monsters. We hop in. This has already been happening. So all of that is kind of irrelevant. We, when we first start the movie, the first thing we know is we learn bits and pieces about this family. And right. I think that that was really effective because uh, we already uh, spoilers, uh, homies. I, I you already assume you would know, but this is like we're getting there now. Um, you really have to care about this family right off the bat because within the first few minutes, one of them dies, mm-hmm. and it could have it. It's important that you give a fuck about that (laughs) like because that really is a huge part of the rest of this movie is them dealing with the grief of losing their youngest child and that bit was so sad it was so sad and just because it was it was such layered sadness i remember the first time watching that being just so upset that they let that happen right Mm -hmm. because clearly this child should not have been left alone to his own devices because he was not... I don't know why he wasn't yet acquainted with the world that they were now living in after 89 days, but my man's was taking some liberties with we're running around that store, grabbing that toy, and all that stuff. Like I, I, I was upset the first time I watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the second time watching it, that anger just got kind of replaced with sadness because knowing it was going to happen you could see all the things leading up to it happening and then because it happened so early in the film you realize the different things and notions that each of these characters who's going to feel partly responsible for you understand where that comes from like you understand why his sister would feel slightly responsible. You understand why the dad feels responsible. Even the mom later on Mm -hmm. has some responsibility that she holds for it. Like the whole family feels responsible in their own different ways. And like, when you know it's, when you know it's about to happen, you can see the foreshadowing. You can see the buildup to it. Mm -hmm. It just, it just, it's so sad to know what it's going to all amount to. Yeah, dude, it sucks. And I think that the thing that I find interesting about this, because I do agree, I I was watching it and I'm thinking, all right, what's, what's up? We're just, we're all letting this kid just run around wild and free and we're not going to kind of rein him in. Like, uh, what if, what if he knocks into something, you know, because he's just a little kid. And, but I think 
And I feel like as the movie goes on, this is a little bit more apparent because after his death, I think you can really see how everybody, it completely changes the way that everybody views the situation that's going on. And I think yeah. for him specifically, because he was so little when it started, I don't think he quite understood the magnitude of what was going on because even at the very beginning, he draws a picture of a rocket and he's like, oh yeah, this is what's going to take us away. And like, you know, we're going to be safe. He doesn't understand that this is real and that mm -hmm. you can't, it's not that easy. You're not just going to be able to fly up into space and be safe. And I think part of that is coming from his family that they're really trying to keep him a child and not let him know what it what the danger really is because even when yeah even when john krasinski's character lee when he explains to him that he can't have the rocket he just says it's too loud and doesn't really tell him any more than that and so mm -hmm. how do they expect this kid to know that hey if this happens, you're going to die, you know, like, <laughs> because how yeah. do you tell that a child that? And so he doesn't understand the magnitude of his actions. And then after that happens, we really get to see in these characters how they compensate for that. Because in Reagan, I think she overcompensates and tries to be brave and wants to always kind of put herself in, you know, put herself out there and say, oh, well, I'll go hunting. I'll do this. And then mm -hmm. for uh, Marcus. Marcus. Marcus is terrified now because I think he really knows the magnitude of what's happening now. And he realizes that this is a life or death situation. So now he's completely terrified. Yeah, Marcus is shook. And, and understandably, it's like up until that point, they probably didn't see anybody die. Then they see it firsthand happen to their little brother. And then for Lee, I feel like from that moment on, he is probably way more stern and cold about the situation because I think he realizes that maybe he was a little bit too... Not relaxed about it before, but I think before he probably wasn't very clear with his kids about how dangerous the situation was. And I feel like mm -hmm. it's made him be really cold now because they need to know how serious it is, which, of course, has caused a strain in his relationship with his daughter. Yeah. But it sucks. Like, it, it for an opening, it's pretty unfortunate to immediately start with the death of a character one of their kids yeah yeah but i love it and i that, mean i love i don't love it but i love what it does <laughs> for the characters and for the story mm -hmm. yeah it's like it's a great plot point to jump off of for the story it really gives you the magnitude of their situation mm -hmm. um for us so that we understand because like you said before we at this point in time, especially if you saw this in theaters, right, all you knew up until now is that the movie's called A Quiet Place and everybody's being quiet. And you don't know why until the sun gets snatched. Like, up until that moment, you're not entirely sure as to why we're all being quiet collectively. And then in an instant, it all, it all comes crashing down and you understand, like, oh, we cannot make a single sound mm -hmm. that's so intense that's so intense mm -hmm. 
and what a plot point to jump off of. Um, I'm still salty that they left the batteries there. I'm not going to pretend I'm not. Yeah. Um, that was just a big old oversight. Like, granted, I'm sure they didn't expect for him to like go and snatch everything back up after they took it away. But like, you could have at least like pocketed the batteries or something. Just take them with you, like. Uh, right leaving them on the counter right next to the ship come on now well, yeah and well and that's what i mean is i think that up to that point they they were just way more they weren't as cautious as they needed to be and mm-hmm. i mean they they definitely learned from that but yeah they weren't yeah. they weren't clear enough with no this is not okay like they were still treating him like he was a kid doing a bad thing not like he was a kid who was about to like cost him his life and mm-hmm. yeah yeah it was just a huge fuck, fuck up moment and it sucks and it, <laughs> and it sucks because you know that every single one of them besides probably marcus i, I he really he was sick he's like the boy is yeah. the boy is about he to pass nothing. out They're... the whole time he has no idea <laughs> he just needed some medicine but you can really see how all of them harbor this guilt about it because really it's nobody's fault but you could see where they would say well oh i should have done this or i should have you know not done this and things would have been different but also you know what i wish Hmm. i wish that they didn't show us that shot when they're walking down the bridge after you know they're uh, when they're heading home i wish they didn't show us that shot of the birds because the birds are cawing and they don't get snatched. Mm-hmm. And it's just a weird, it's a weird thing that doesn't, because I saw that and I said, oh, maybe it doesn't go after animals. But then it does later. Mm-hmm. It goes after a raccoon. Yeah, the, that's one of the few, I think, sound inconsistencies there where, like, you probably argue because they're birds and, like, in the sky, maybe the creatures are smart enough to know that we can't reach them all the way up there. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps if they were on the ground cawing, then <laughs> they would have got snatched up like some kebabs or yeah. something like that. Perhaps but... if they were ground birds. <laughs> perhaps if they were snatched. birds of the ground variety. <laughs> um, the Well, before going into or the time skip into like mm-hmm. a year plus afterwards, the other thing that that scene really did a good job of too, though, um, is establishing our antagonist and just how imminent the danger really is because we get to see in real time how fast shit hits the fan when you make noise. Mm-hmm. The moment that it, that rocket ship went off, it was all of like 10, 15 seconds before that thing made it all the way there. Mm-hmm. And it's now this weird constant fear that you have throughout the entire movie because it doesn't matter what time of day where you are whatever when you make that sound if you make a sound they will be there and they will be there very quickly and that's that's super scary Mm -hmm. yeah it's they're fast and they're strong and also i think another thing that it shows is that despite how much you might want to you still have to keep quiet even if your family is in danger, you still have to keep quiet or you're all going to die. Because mm-hmm. even we see it, especially with the mom, when she turns around and realizes what's going on, she can't do anything. 
she can't scream she can't run you you have to sit there and just be quiet and just kind of accept things as they are and that sucks because it's there's not you know the of obviously lee's gonna try and get to him as fast as possible but that shot of him just almost getting there and then it Brutal. happening and him having to like slow himself down dude and just yeah you just have to take it you just have to be like oh that happened i can't vocalize this pain that i'm feeling right i can't do anything yeah, you gotta walk that helplessness all the way back home and silent yeah, that, cry you can't even yo, that sob is out the, loud that is the worst walk of shame that Oof. has ever been made <laughs> number one number one watch mojo's number one <laughs> watch mojo's number one. <laughs> <laughs> so good okay but anyway jumping forward yes. 400 some days um now we've got a kid on the way which is our new kind of like ticker for um shit to go down within this group um it's kind of like this new driving plot force um how did this being your first time watching it how did you feel about this happening the fact that evelyn is now pregnant and they're choosing well kind of choosing to have the kid during this circumstance i mean this is something that i've thought about actually if ever an apocalypse type situation was going to happen is you're still once you kind of find some semblance of life you are still probably going to be having sex especially if you're already in a they're a married couple then they have some kind of form of a life at this point um so i don't expect them to abstain from sex for the rest of their lives and accidents already happen in the real world i don't think it's wild to think that that could happen because how are they we really to believe that they're running to the store to get condoms or that she's running to the store to get birth control <laughs> like i you know yeah. what are the odds that they are keeping up on things like that so i don't think that it's weird to say that she is pregnant and 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 also if she did get pregnant i don't think that it's totally out of the realm of this family to want to have the baby and especially with what happened with them. Mm-hmm. So then, yeah, you have, I mean, you have nine months. You have nine months to figure out how can we make it safe for this baby to be able to live in this world. Of course, it's going to be a problem it, it, that you're going to have to solve. There are lots of things you're going to have to think about. But, you know, that's their prerogative. They want to do that. And we see that they did. They planned out all of the moments of the birth had things gone the way they were <laughs> meant to go. They actually had a very, very good plan. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I, I know that I was looking up some stuff earlier and I know a lot of people were like, why would you want to have a baby? But I'm like, dude, accident. what are they like if they did accidentally get pregnant? OK, yeah, they're going to have a baby. Yeah. Like, what yeah. do you mean? <laughs> That's that. That's where I was too, because I think the first time watching it, I was like, I was like the first group of like, why would you put yourself in this position, knowing that a babies are loud as fuck. So why would you want to have a baby when sound is your killer? Mm-hmm. But this time through, maybe just from a more 
uh, adult and less emotional lens. It's like, yeah, like you said, they all well could have just gotten pregnant just off of one night. And then if they did get pregnant, if you did get pregnant, I think at that point it would no longer be a choice because you don't really have an alternative option there in that scenario. It's like, I'm pregnant, so this baby's coming. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no real stopping it. All we can do is kind of prep for it. Yeah, well, and I, I think especially for them, we see a lot with their family. First of all, they have themselves a dope set up in their house. Like... They got a pretty sweet. Their place is pretty nice. They got a pretty sweet crib. Their place is pretty cool, Um, and I think we really see within this family that they're trying to keep some some type of semblance of normality. And so I don't know why wouldn't they maybe hope that they could have some kind of family. I don't think I don't think that they've given up hope that potentially in the future this could be solved and mm-hmm. things may go back to a monsterless world <laughs> uh, because we see you know he's constantly trying to make contact with other countries through his radio and also we do establish that there are other survivors as yes, well there are other survivors which i love i love in most movies like this because uh, i was thinking i was thinking of like the, the zombie genre but most Mm -hmm. of the time it's so important to find other survivors it's like you just want to know that you're not alone and you want to team up and maybe that'll be better but I think one thing this movie does that I liked is it would almost be worse to be with people would be with more people so it's more of just a comfort for them to know that there are other families around not that any of them want anything to do with each other. It's more so of just keeping track of, oh, okay, this many people in this area are at least still alive. And yeah. there's something nice about that. Um, but, and also, okay, because we also see that Evelyn is doing math homework with Marcus. And I said if I had to still fucking do math... <laughs> While dealing with this kind of a life, I would be throwing hands so fast. (laughs) How dare you have him doing long division before he has to go out hunting in this horrible, (laughs) maddening world? What are you doing, Evelyn? Are you crazy? Yeah, that's messed up. Like, you know, you know, he lost his brother. Now you're making him do math. How are you gonna kick the kick the poor kid while he's down? Disrespectful. How is PEMDAS gonna help in this world ever in the future? <laughs> I get, and that's what I mean. It's like they really are trying hard to keep their kids feeling as though there is some kind of a routine or some, you know, or that they can keep certain aspects of their past life, but math is the one thing I would say, leave it in the past. Go ahead. <laughs> I don't need this. I we don't, don't need this. We don't need that no more. We don't need that. We can pretend like that didn't even exist. You can keep everything else, but uh-uh, not that one. But I I don't, I don't, didn't mind it. I think that it was actually very interesting to see the different things that they were doing to try and compensate for the noise 
that they knew they were going to have when this baby was born. Yeah. And they're very clever about it. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Like, they, they built an entire bunker to get ready mm-hmm. for this baby to come. So, like we said earlier, it's a very smart, resourceful family. And that that's a that is a big pull and it makes a lot of sense that they would say that in the interview this is a family drama too because the biggest thing and we've talked about it ad nauseum at this point on the podcast about caring about your characters enough to care about when you lose them and this film does a fantastic job of making you care about this family like we in the first half an hour have to watch this family deal with loss so that for the rest of the film, we don't want them to lose anyone else. Mm-hmm. But the issue with that is it's just so easy for that to happen. Like, it's it's so easy and it's so quick and you just never know. Like, you're on this constant state of fear that someone's going to slip up in some way that's probably an accident. Like, probably nothing that they were trying to do intentionally, but then that's going to be a wrap. And it's like, damn, you don't want to lose another person after they have to lose their youngest. Yeah. It's just you don't you don't you don't want to go that deep into the despair, into the dark depths of sadness. Nobody wants to go there. Oh, no, you don't. And you want things so badly to work out for them. And another thing I didn't realize before watching this is we only really see three days in this family's life and oh yeah that's wild mm -hmm. it's very true and two of those days are horrific (laughs) for them (laughs) we only get to see one good day for them but considering we only see three days of that i really cared about this family and i wanted them to you know have a good good outcome and for everything to work out to them as much as it could as much as this right. life can work out, you know, for people. But I, oh, I was going to say, first off, the kid who plays Marcus, Noah, I believe is the actor's name. He has the cutest, he is so cute. Like the faces that he makes when he's scared. <laughs> oh my gosh. I just wanted to hug him. He has like the perfect reactions when he's scared to things it's great mm-hmm. but i want to talk about emily blunt acting her mm-hmm. ass off in this movie Oof. who gave her Oof. the right who gave her permission to show up and show out in the capacity that she did in this film i don't think i've been as stressed out for a character in a long time I, as i was i mean for dear old Emily Blunt, aka Evelyn, my my lady was going through it. it. The most through it I have seen in a long time. I mean, <laughs> first of all, <laughs> yo, the moment her water breaks, this movie hits fast forward, accelerate, hits the nitrous. Like, it's ridiculous. This woman can't catch a break. I would like to just take you, homies, through the the horrible, the series of unfortunate events that she has to experience back to back to back. <laughs> First of all, she's alone in the house. Her water breaks. She tries to hurry up downstairs, steps on a nail. Oh, and that nail scene. Steps on a nail and drops something at the same time so makes noise unfortunately and then she has to try to give birth as silent as possible while battling a monster 
she's like goes to birth <laughs> by herself loses a bunch of blood passes out she wakes up and her children are missing she finally gets to rest and then she almost drowns has to save her baby has to go back up has to like navigate around a monster goes back upstairs watches her husband die and then has to battle more monsters <laughs> all after giving birth i couldn't i could not believe every fucking curveball they threw at this woman I couldn't believe it. I would simply pass away because it's just too much. <laughs> it's too much. <laughs> like I said, ever like from the moment her water breaks, the sequence of events is just the most like you're clawing at your face, just being like, oh my God. Like when she steps on the nail, oh. that's one, right? Then it's the monsters in the and even while this is all happening, she's still smart as hell, right? The monster comes down to the basement. She sets uh, an egg timer on the other side of the room so that it goes after that so she can make her way upstairs into an empty bathtub where she just bleeds out and gives birth. And that fucking scene of her pushing while the claw of the monster is, like, coming up the staircase, I about peed everywhere. And apparently she did the bathtub scene in one take. According to John Krasinski, they only had to really? do They did one take of it, and they were like, that's it. That's the one. And, yeah, it was the one. Because I felt every contraction this woman felt. And when she <laughs> finally screamed, oh, my gosh, the relief I felt for her. Because I know she was holding that scream back <laughs> the whole time. Oh, my gosh. I can't imagine. I just... I, more power to her because and i love that's this the scene between her and lee when he takes her down in the bunker and there they have that little conversation i love that mm -hmm. scene he was so heavy wasn't he i can still i can still feel the weight in my arms Small, but so heavy. And my hands were free. It was carried the back, but my hands were free. You have to stop. So I could have carried. I just think the way that she acted that scene was so amazing. And I just feel like that one moment was really the entire meaning of this movie. This idea of, you know, if we can't protect them, then what's the point? 
And uh, just the way that she did it was just so good. She was so mm-hmm. subtle, but so emotional. And I also think it's a beautiful moment because up until that point, she seems to be the one that's dealing with Bo's death. Not the best, but she definitely seems the most put together about it. And then in this moment, you find out that she also has this guilty conscience about it and has all of this grief and regret. And it just all comes out at this moment. And it's just so good. It's so it's good. So, oh, my God. It's so good. Like Emily Blunt is a treasure in this movie. Her yeah. her acting was top notch, and honestly, all of, all of their acting was really really good. Yeah, um, it's she just she just gets a little extra gold star because, like we said, she went through shit it. She went through, yeah. <laughs> she gets an Oscar for that for sure. Okay, can we talk about this silo scene though? Yeah this <laughs> this is one of the few scenes that I still had a problem with oh actually before we go into that though i will say mm-hmm. the first time that i watched the movie and they did the bathtub scene and um lee gets up there just sees the blood in the tub i did actually think she was dead mm-hmm. um first time through mm-hmm. uh like when i when i was sitting in the movie theater and she let out that scream i was like no because it was so close like the monster was so close to her Mm -hmm. i was like no don't do it to him (laughs) like this (laughs) that would have been awful he's like he's been through too much no don't (laughs) no not after everything she went through too no man i thought i definitely thought she was dead so when she popped up i was like oh my god i've never wanted a jump scare (laughs) as much as that one the timing of that scene is is perfectly timed as well like the timing of the fireworks going off and how they timed it with her scream and everything mm-hmm. it made me feel something i felt <laughs> it made me feel a little funny like in a good way <laughs> um but yeah going back to the silo scene uh yeah i had some issues with this scene mostly for um this little thing in the world called physics <laughs> i felt like mm-hmm. I felt like this, uh, these corn seeds or whatever they were, were very selective in how they operated <laughs> during different parts mm-hmm. of this scene. Mm-hmm. No, that's fair. They no, I was like mostly just because like this thing went from like cement floor to quicksand like every two seconds, and I didn't know how I was supposed to interpret what was going on. <laughs> um, it was picky well, about what it was doing to yeah. our uh, to our protagonists. Yeah, she was. She was picking and choosing when she wanted to act up. But I did. So this is one of my most irrational fears because never have I owned or even been near a grain silo, nor would I ever be inside of one. But I don't maybe like a year ago or something. I just remembered hearing that you can die in you can, you know, suffocate and basically drown in grains and apparently more than 900 cases of grain engulfment have been reported with a fatality rate of 62 percent over the past 50 years so it's a problem um so when i saw (laughs) what i saw in this movie it stressed me out it was stressful and i guess so so when marcus first falls in and he's freaking out he kind of falls in the worst way possible because falling with your feet straight down like that is the quickest way to be engulfed i guess it can take a matter it's like in a matter of 10 seconds you can be completely 
engulfed. And and Rayan was right mm-hmm. when she was telling him not to move. He, the more you move, the faster you sink, kind of a thing. Yeah. Um. Just like quicksand. Yeah, the same idea. So I I think because when they both fell in the first time, they fell feet first. That's why they went under so quickly, without the mm-hmm. without the door there. And so then when they leaned back and were laying flat, I think because of the weight displacement, that's why they were fine is because they were completely flat. But I will say what I don't believe is that Reagan or I'm sorry, is that Marcus would be able to pull Reagan back out that quickly all by himself. That would not happen. Yeah, that (laughs) it's funny because that is a stretch but like i was able to buy it just for the sake of like i didn't want reagan to die so i was like yeah yeah no that's cool it's cool pull her back up for me what did it for me is like everything up until that point read true um if they dropped in there them sinking in like that all that read true but when homeboy mr monster jumps down in there and they spartan shield themselves with that door the fact that they do not get pushed any further down into that grain left me a little sus I'm I'm okay with it. Don't get me wrong. I'm okay that they got to survive and live through that scenario. But I did side eye that part both times watching it, being like, mm, I feel like they should be sinking right now. I'm more surprised that the monster didn't. Yeah, the monster didn't sink at all either. He was fine. Mm-hmm. He was absolutely cutting a rug on top of it and just be bopping around the whole silo. <laughs> There's no issues. Well, so I don't know. I don't know how much he weighs. Um, that's not that's not very polite to ask. But <laughs> if he weighs at least a little bit, I think he probably might have sunk. Just a scope. Sunk, yeah. Just a scope. So like the the grain was a little picky in who it was deciding to consume. Um, but still a very frightening scene though, and like when both of them start sinking, you're, I feel like your heart does sink as well mm-hmm. because you're just like, damn, don't go out like this. That that for me was the was the tagline for this whole movie is don't go out like <laughs> Not this. Not like this, <laughs> yeah. I, and I do love the bit where Marcus first falls in and Reagan doesn't realize at first. That part is really stressful because obviously mm-hmm. we realize that he's fallen in there, but it takes her a minute before she turns around um that part was really was very hectic um for my soul but mm-hmm. okay let's let's get into the the ending a little bit because we're about there just about oh, oh before sorry because there are just There's there are so a couple much. scenes that i don't want to not talk no, about because they fair. were just so good rewinding back to the star herself emily blunt yes. um when she's when she's in the now flooding soundproof cellar um waking up from her from her post baby nap uh dude that scene where like she realized what's happening right she sees the monster on the stairs and she's trying to like tiptoe over to the baby and it just slowly slinks into the water Mm -hmm. i died i died several times (laughs) over revived and died again Mm -hmm. and then (laughs) it comes up it comes up behind them or in front of them as when she picks the baby up i love that part when it just oh my god um i did i was dying though when they put that baby in that box (laughs) (laughs) 
It's like, oh, you're precious. Now shut the fuck up. <laughs> it's such, obviously, it's a really great idea. And I didn't know that was what was going to happen. I was wondering what they had the oxygen there for. But I, when he put the lid on it and it muffled the baby's cries. <laughs> <laughs> I said, oh Lord, they put the baby in the box. <laughs> they put the baby in the box. <laughs> I mean, they don't put the baby they in the box. put the baby in the box. No. I mean, it obviously was a very, very smart thing to do and, you know, worked out in their favor. But yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's just unexpected. <laughs> Especially because it was like a wooden box. It's not, you know, you can't see the baby or anything once you put the it's got it's kind of funny it's, it's kind a of funny. little funny um oh also going back a little bit more that old man when he powers up oh, to scream no. yo he deserved he actually deserved an oscar for that scream that was the most like the amount of emotions that ran through that old man's face and beard before he let out that yell he award-winning he scream and he was like i'm going to scream if that's what you want yeah <laughs> but the way he looked at it yeah the build up was to like, it <laughs> he was like bitch the build up to it oh man he like sucked in his entire face it was great he's like a puffer fish <laughs> it was great though that it was <laughs> that was a great that was a great sequence mm-hmm. um and it, while while we're just catching up things before the ending too um real quick the monster design too real real good mm-hmm. real good monster design they were a lot of times i feel like in these kind of films um sometimes the whole thing can be ruined by actually seeing the creatures however their creature effects and the whole creature design in itself was really really good like i loved how these creatures looked. i agree um they kind of reminded me of like demigorgons sometimes mm-hmm. but i yeah. i think that they the way that they were designed really really made sense for the type of creature that they were and like how they hunted and everything it it made mm-hmm. sense and they were so juicy they like they were slimy boys i just there's something about a juicy <laughs> monster that really has me all the way fucked up. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but anytime I see a monster that has any kind of slickness to them, it immediately makes me feel gross. I feel I feel ashamed that there was a split second in my brain where I pictured that monster with a pair of hot pink sweatpants <laughs> with juicy on the back. <laughs> Living its best life. Just strutting down the stairs, posing like. <laughs> ah. She like turns, she goes and looks at, at the cameras and one of them walks by wearing. <laughs> and she just sees the juicy and the diamonds shining. <laughs> and she's like, uh, uh baddie oh, alert. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So going into the ending now. Um, yes. We uh, unfortunately have to deal with. Uh, noble but sad sacrifice of our boy lee mm-hmm. in order to save his kids which that that was that was a rough scene even the second time through it sucked i i did think he was gonna make it through the movie mm-hmm. i was honestly surprised that he ended up dying when he did mm-hmm. yeah it's such a bummer because he makes it so far and 
And then you find out that his voice was his true power all along. He's like, <laughs> bellows out this scream, of course, after telling Reagan that he has always loved her, which I thought was a nice moment. Um, yeah, because Reagan is really hot towards Lee for basically the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Um like the the tension between them is very palpable. Like you can definitely feel it, and I'm sure it's a collection of things and the, their circumstances which led to it. Because um, like the whole time, I, I was I just felt like I was like, "Yo, Reagan, cut him some slack. He's trying. Mm-hmm. Like he really is." Yeah. Um, but I do think it's kind of nice the second time through that she doesn't really get closure with him until after he dies Mm -hmm. like i do think that it makes the moments when she does find that closure a lot more powerful Mm -hmm. because it's one of those like now she knows how much he really cared but it's too late yeah sort of sort of circumstances well and what i think is interesting about their relationship is at the very beginning we see them interact a little bit and you can tell that they obviously have a really good relationship and it seems like lee shares with her more because he kind of lets her know what he's thinking what he's gonna do and he like gets her pliers i think and and so you can tell that they have you know a a good relationship and then i think what we really see in the second half is that their communication has completely broken down and it seems like for reagan it seems that they don't really talk or Lee doesn't really let her in to his world or his thought process unless he wants her to try a new cochlear implant. And it seems like for Mm. her, she's continuing, she's been getting her hopes up because he keeps saying, oh, this is the one, this is the one that's going to work. And I think she's just kind of reached a breaking point with that. Yeah. But I think it, because when we first see them interact after we flash forward, she doesn't even, the mom sends her in to go tell him that dinner's ready and it does not seem like they speak very much at all. And yeah, he just won't let her in. It's like she wants to go hunting and he tells her no. And then she wants to go in the basement and he tells her no. And he doesn't really communicate him what he's doing in his life with her anymore so i just feel like their communication has completely ceased to exist unless it's about an implant that he's working on for her yeah which sucks which it's yeah it it sucks sucks. it it also makes sense too though Mm -hmm. it's just like i think going even more gung-ho and whatever he's working on is probably like his coping mechanism for losing Bo. and so yeah i can see how the residual effect of that would put a strain on the relationship Mm -hmm. between them yeah Um, and i also think for him in his point of view not to say that this is correct but from what he views i'm sure for him if anybody else in his family is at risk to be taken out next he probably would think it would be reagan because she is at a disadvantage and so i mm -hmm. feel like for him He's so focused on, like, I need to get this because this is the thing that's going to save her, as opposed to, oh, well, let me help her learn ways that she can, you know, like, oh, let me train her or let me spend time with her or let me show her ways that she can kind of um, adapt to this world. Instead of doing that, he's like, if I don't get this cochlear implant for her, then she is going to die. 
I feel like yeah. would be his thought process because, you know, it, she sound is such a big part of surviving in this world for them. And so she's a, she doesn't have that. And I feel like for him, that's like a huge worry. Yeah, that's like priority number one, mm-hmm. which also on the on that subject, um, going a little bit back to sound design, too. I think you might have mentioned it earlier, but the fact that whenever we're in Reagan's POV, that there is no sound at all Mm -hmm. is one of those very small touches that I think pushes this movie over the edge and makes it so good. And so, because like, not only do you have to deal with the initial sound design of everything being quieter and you just being more hyper-focused on sound, but then when you have that variation, when you switch to the character who is hearing impaired, um, thinking specifically of when she's in the cornfield, and the creature's coming up right behind her, and it's like, yeah, she is at a disadvantage because she has mm-hmm. no idea that that thing's approaching her outside of her secret hearing aid powers, which ultimately help her um, help fight these monsters. Right, and it's, and it's funny because it's like, in some ways, Lee was right. By working on the cochlear implants and messing with them, he did protect her just not in the way that he thought he thought he was going to improve what she'd be able to hear but really what he did was fuck with it so much that now it adds like that feedback noise and that Mm -hmm. keeps her safe and so in a way he was right that working on that so much did put her at an advantage it's just not the advantage that they thought it was going to be yeah and what a creative and cool weakness to establish for these creatures because it makes a ton of sense it it made even more sense uh watching it a second time too is that these creatures clearly have the hearing of gods they can hear you from no matter where you are so yeah when you take something that is um engineered to increase the sound that you're taking in when you combine that with their already ultrasonic hearing yeah, it would make a lot of sense that it would be too overwhelming for them to the point of it is basically killing them slowly. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a really cool um, creature design in terms of like their weaknesses and whatnot. Like, I really like that they went with that. Yes, I agree. I think that that was really clever, especially because you do kind of have to figure something out in the sense of uh, we established earlier on that these creatures have armor because Lee has this whiteboard that he writes all of the plot things that we need yeah. to know on it. I love how he all the plot <laughs> and plus all the the newspaper clipping. Yeah. Like we still get that trope in there. It's not. Um, too I don't bad mind in it one. in this movie it's, though. It's funny though how he writes what's the weakness and then circles it as if he would forget that that's like what he needs to figure out. He's like, I need this reminder or else I'll never remember. I'm like, okay. But um, yeah, so we already know that they have armor. The thing that's hard about killing these creatures is if you use a gun, you're going to attract more of them. And so right. you have to, they had to figure out a way to, to weaken them and, it completely makes sense. And I love that moment that she realizes that it, it has that effect on them. And I think that this ending bit, like this very ending bit where they, the mom and her kind of look at each other and they see that there are more creatures coming and they both like give each other a nod and get ready to go fuck some, <laughs> fuck them up. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that 
is like the ending that I wanted was them right. accepting that like, okay, now that we know how to beat them, like we're going to go head on. We're not yeah. going to hide anymore. We're just going to, we're going to go for it. Cause we have some kind of an advantage now, obviously, you know, they're still mm-hmm. in a shitty place, but in a quiet place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real. The, I always think that the the shotgun cock ending uh, either works or it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And this film, it worked heavy, especially after everything Evelyn went through. Yeah, she deserved yeah. that shotgun. Give her that gun. Yeah. She deserves to be able to fight back after all the fighting that she had to do throughout this film. I was so I was so happy to see both of them uh, to have that mindset be like, yeah. It's time to kick some ass. We about to avenge. We about to avenge Lee. About to tear through these creatures. Like, let's go. I was. I was there for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. I loved it too. It was very satisfying to hear that. I agree. And <laughs> this is another part. I just love. I just love Marcus's face when the baby starts crying, and he's like, he's like, ah. he's like fuck, <laughs> and he said, fuck, fuck. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, you're so cute. Um. But yeah, I think everything from Lee dying and and it's one of those things where I'm sure that there was a way that they could have solved this situation without having him die. But like, I don't care. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's one of those situations where I know that you could almost say, oh, well, why didn't they do this? Why didn't they do this? But I just it, it's one of those movies where the ending works so well with the theme of this film or i should say his ending works so well with the theme of this film and how they've set it up that i don't care and i'm and it's much more impactful having him sacrifice himself than having them figure out some other way and all of them surviving like yeah totally agree so i don't mind it i i'm totally cool with him Doing the old, the old scream and the old scream and die. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> also, I will say that this family did get hashtag blessed by the most silent baby I have ever seen in all my days. Like even even with the amount of crying that we do get for a newborn baby, this is the most well behaved baby of all babies. And I'm okay with it because they were they was already going through a lot. They didn't need more more uh, difficulties in their lives. Yeah. But and I did I did take note. He he was he was quiet. I think though I think something might have been wrong. Like I I think when she gave birth, you're not supposed to bleed like that that much. <laughs> um, so I kind of wonder if maybe something wasn't quite right. With the delivery, which obviously she's delivering in stressful circumstances in a bathtub. Well, by herself. So obviously things aren't going to go according to plan. So I wonder if maybe that's why he didn't start crying right away is because maybe he couldn't get any enough oxygen or something until until they were on the move. And then he was like, oh, okay, I'm cool. I'm cool. Um, But yeah. He, they, they, they definitely got, they definitely got blessed. Cause let's say it was a healthy birth and that baby came out sobbing. Eh, things might've been a little bit different. For sure. Actually, <laughs> it's a wrap. guaranteed they would've been different. 
<laughs> yeah, it would have been a wrap for sure, for sure. But I before we before we rate this, I I would like to ask you, um, what are you most excited or most interested in them seeing or in seeing them expand on in the sequel? Uh, I think. The thing I'm most excited about is going back to this world and seeing how far the characters have come since that since that last scene that we get in the cellar. Because there is a sequel, going to make the bold assumption that they survived that encounter. Right. <laughs> um, with those several monsters that are coming through uh, to their spot. So I want to see how that changes the characters and how much they've grown. And I want more Emily Blunt, quite frankly um we've gotten to see her go through struggle and now she's she's basically hardened warrior mom woman and i'm ready to see her go through and tear shit up but also too because from what we get in the trailer they're expanding out into the world and seeing who else exists out there i'm curious to see what's happened to the world too in all this time um since everything's gone down how has the world changed i do think that's a fun part of apocalypse movies is seeing how the world operates post, you know, shit hitting the fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you? Um, I think I'm just most excited to see them expand on this kryptonite that they found. Like, I, I'm interested in seeing how they're going to take that and use it in the next one because obviously now they know a way that they can kind of protect themselves to a certain extent and so i'm wondering how they're going to use that against the creatures and what kind of conflict maybe that will cause especially since they might be opened up to some other people in this next one and i'm also interested in seeing kind of how because like i said one of my favorite things in this movie was seeing the way that they adapted over time and the ideas that they came up with to protect themselves. And so I'm excited to see how much time has passed and what they have done to now kind of compensate for having a baby that they're taking care of. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm excited for those. I mean, we're excited for that to come out and see what happened. And also I'm excited for Emily Blunt to kick some but as well yes Very go exciting. ahead queen i would i would like that all the time so i'm excited for that <laughs> as well <laughs> um but is there anything else you wanted to touch on or are you ready to rate this uh i think i'm ready to rate this okay uh we need to see need to find the thing uh off the top of my head i'm thinking rocket ships but uh oh yeah let's do rocket ships yeah, yeah. boom yeah. nailed it rocket ships all right you go you go first since it was your first time watching it all right i'm gonna give this a five rocket ships out of five five out of five okay five. okay so my thought process here it is so after this movie was over i just i didn't have anything that i would change like you know what I mean? I, mm. I didn't see anything where I was like, oh, I wish they would have done this different or they wish they would have done this different. I was just happy with how it played out. I loved the story. I I love that we focused just on this family and it's all about them. It's all about them and dealing with this world that they live in. But more specifically, it's about the parents trying to take care of their children and the children still trying to adapt to this world. 
And I just think that the way that they did the story was clever. It's fast. It is not a long movie at all. It went by really quickly for me. And I love the progression and the journey that all of the characters take. The last, what, like 20 minutes of this movie is just stress and tension, but the way it all unfolds is just masterfully. Like, the sequence of events at for the ending climax of this film is perfect. And mm-hmm. like I said, I got, but this movie gives me butterflies. That, those, that part with the fireworks and her screaming is top 10. Top 10 <laughs> butterfly scenes for me. So yeah, I I have to give it five out of five because everything went exactly how I would have wanted it to go and I wouldn't change a thing. And even the parts of it, like I said earlier, even the parts of it where I'm like, oh, I'm sure there was a better way to do this. Like, I don't care. Like, I don't care that there yeah. was a better way to do it. I don't care that there were little plot holes and mistakes that they made and that this is an instance where you could say, oh, well, I would have done this. I don't care. I, I love the way that it happened. And mm. for that, I got to give it five. Okay. <laughs> well, going off the heels of that. Uh, so I would, now having seen this movie twice, mm-hmm. I think if you ask me how I would have rated this, seeing it in the movie theater, it probably would have been an easy five out of five mm-hmm. rocket ships. And now getting to watch it from home, I think it's still five out of five rocket ships. Hey. Like this, this movie's really, really good. And I, knowing that we were gonna watch it again, um, I was curious how I was gonna feel about it a second time through because there were, like you said, there's little like plot holes here and there, little inconsistencies that by now I'm sure a lot of you know I'm a bit of a stickler for. However, I'm kind of just like you, Erica. I ain't give a shit. <laughs> like in this movie, mm-hmm. it was it was tense. I cared about the characters. The antagonist was scary. The situation was scary. And the movie just flies by because it's such a fun, enjoyable watch. And I just think it was really well done. It's a really great movie. It Even without the allure of being in a completely silent theater filled with other people, it still held the same gravity for me at home. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, no, this is an easy five out of five rocket ships for me. Hey, you heard it here first, homies. Five out of five rocket chips. Um, Double five. We we don't have a lot of those. We don't have a lot. We don't. So we, quiet, we don't. I get excited. Quiet place. Enter in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> hey, put it up on the wall. Yeah, I get excited when we get double fives. Um, <laughs> I I was gonna say I do have one more question for you before oh, we yes, leave. Oh yes, please. All right. So big question for you, and probably for most of the homies as well. Mm-hmm is after watching this fantabulous movie, were you able to wash the image of Jim away from John Krasinski? I mean, so here's the thing. I very easily, like, washed the image of Jim away from John Krasinski, like, a while ago. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. Basically, after he was off of the office and he, like, started doing other roles, I didn't think of him as Jim anymore. But mm-hmm. I am one of those people, I wasn't like a huge, I feel like the first time I really like knew John Krasinski and stuff, he already was in other stuff. I wasn't, I didn't watch The Office when it was on TV. 
So yeah, I mean, no, I no. never associated him with that the same way that like I never associated Steve Carell with The Office because that wasn't the first thing that I saw him in. Like The Office okay. was more of a secondary thing that now I'm like, oh, he was in this thing first. Um, so it's been very easy for me to just think of him as John Krasinski, but I know for a lot of people that they still refer to him as Jim and like think of him as Jim. Um, but I, which apparently I read an interview with him and he said that he does not mind. He says that he loves being known because I guess Steve Carell told him he was like you know no matter what you do no matter how how many Oscars you win you're always going to be known as the guy from the office and then and Jim Krasinski I guess was just like okay that's fine like I don't care (laughs) I loved (laughs) I loved being on the office so it's not that big of a deal (laughs) yeah also give me those Oscars Uh, yeah but I'll take the Oscars (laughs) yeah um so yeah it wasn't it wasn't like that much of a weird thing for me. I know a lot of people were like scared when he not scared. That's dramatic. A lot of people were surprised when he got like super beefed up and started doing action roles. But for me, I was like, yeah, that worked. That makes sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. How about for you? Yeah, no, I feel that. Uh, honestly, kind of the same. Like the like you, I didn't watch The Office during the height of The Office. Like I was one of the the late bloomers with that show. Mm-hmm. Um, it was still my first um introduction to john though so like there was most definitely some gym attached to him when i went to go see this movie the first time mm-hmm. but i mean after you've worked like in the industry and you just understand that people move on after their roles to go do other roles like it's very easy for me to separate him from the character of jim and i do think he's been very smart and strategic about the projects that he's worked on since the office because they're very much distant from the character of jim Mm -hmm. you know they're they're much different characters so it's very easy to just see him in these other roles the only thing i will say only thing i will say is this man's face really has not changed that much in like 20 years Mm -hmm. so like i do still see jim because his face looks exactly the same (laughs) like it doesn't matter how much beard he puts on for these roles <laughs> like i can still see his see the gym face mm-hmm. but outside of that like i fully accept him and all the stuff that he's doing and he proved i think 100 percent with this film that he is more than just jim mm-hmm. he is he's got a plethora of talents i mean he directed this shit like he he is a multifaceted um person within the industry and you know he did a fantastic job as a character from a show that a lot of us like Mm -hmm. but if you're still holding on to jim might be time to let him go go. because he all grown up now yeah all grown up i really want to shout it out (laughs) (laughs) um okay yeah uh let us know homies what you all thought of this movie and also let us know what you are most excited about for the sequel which will hopefully be coming out soon uh, hopefully it keeps i think so keeps its it, release date, they've got, we've got a crossed. release date of uh may may 28th yes. right now so we are pulling for that hoping that it stays that way so in the meantime let us know what you're hoping to see in it if you are planning to go see it um you can reach out to us through all of our social medias we are homies of horror 
on everything. Um, or if you prefer, you can always email us if you have any requests or recommendations or any business inquiry inquiries. You can email us. We are homies of horror at gmail.com. And do you want to hit them with the hit them with the old twitch? The old one-two twitch. <laughs> the one-two twitch, <laughs> of course. As some of you guys know, we also have been doing Homies of Horror live on Mondays at 6 p.m. PST on my Twitch channel. The link to that is provided in both our Instagram and Twitter bios. So if you want to just hang out with us after listening to your Monday dose of Homies, please come through. Um, we have a lot of fun. We love chatting it up with the community, and we also play some very fun games on Mondays along with Talk and Movie Talk. So you don't want to miss out, and it's a great way to hang out with us live every single week. So make sure you come through. Yep, we hope to see you homies there. And last but not least, if you homies are so inclined, we always appreciate it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts if you can and leave us a rating or a review. Um, we love to hear your feedback from you guys. Let's us know what you are loving from the show. And also it helps us to get recommended to more people. So if you wouldn't mind, you can go over there, hit the stars to rate us or write us out a sassy review, a sassy loving review, homies. <laughs> if you feel like it. Emphasis on the love. <laughs> on the love. Um, but yeah, homies, that is it for us this week. We hope that you guys have a great rest of your week. And we will be checking you out next Monday. Catch you later, homies. Bye.